chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We're going to continue with our study in the first epistle of John. We'll be reading verses 24 and 25 and 26 today. And we hope the next time to finish is verses 27 and 28 and 29. So we'll finish chapter 2. This has truly been a tremendous study. I pray that it will be a blessing to you today. We're looking at verses 24 through 26. He says, Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. May we pray. Our gracious and loving Father, we bow before thy presence. Pray that you'll give us the ability to bring forth the word through the Holy Spirit. Help illuminate our minds that we may understand and see the things of God which are spiritually discerned. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. As Dave's going through Ephesians, we were talking, it's a truly a tremendous study, the book of Ephesians. It's kind of like when you look out on the ocean, it's so vast and so big, you take a picture, you're only taking the picture of a small section, because it's so vast. It's kind of like going through Ephesians. There's so much there that you can only bring out just a, a, just a section that we can think upon and meditate on in our private studies. It's a vast ocean. And the word of God, 1 John, is like that. There's so much. He says in verse 24, Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. You know, in Christ's teaching, if you read the Gospel of John, what was one of the first things he told his disciples? Follow me. He said in John 10, 27, he said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's the characteristics of God's people. They follow the shepherd. They follow the Lord. And in Luke nine twenty three, he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, now, this is the hard part here. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Following Christ is a daily responsibility of the Christian. And part of following Christ, we have to deny ourselves. What does that mean to deny yourself? It means to abandon your will and your thoughts for God's thoughts and God's will. If anything in my life and in your life is in conflict with God's word, we must say no to what we want. Because Jesus gave us the command. It wasn't, a, it wasn't advice. He says, follow me. And we see also in, in the teachings of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, Jesus says, come unto me. Come unto me. He says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I heard a preacher preaching this morning on that. And he says people go everywhere except to the Lord. They go to the pill box, the Anderson box, this box, that box, psychiatrist. But they won't go to the Lord. 
He said, what people need to do is simply get right with God, confess their sins, and they won't need so many pills as far as uh, having problems with stress and anxiety. There's a lot of truth to that. And he wouldn't say we don't need medication. He was saying a lot of people need to get right with God and they wouldn't need all this stress medicine. He says, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you need rest, you need peace, there's only one person to go to, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's another word he used, and that's what we're going to be majoring on this morning. It's a word that is the heart of Christianity to a certain extent. And that word is abide in me. Abide in me. He didn't say not with me, not alongside me, in me. Oneness with Christ. He says, abide in me and I in you. There's the oneness of the child of God with his Savior, with his Lord. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, if you take a rose and you cut a, a, one of the uh, branches off, what happens to that branch? It withers away. And if we are not connected to the Lord in union with him, what would happen to us? We would wither away. You shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Abiding in me. Abide in me. Jesus said in, in the, again in his first, in 1 John 2.24, let that, uh, well, John did through the Holy Spirit, let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Now notice the word abide, the word remain, and the word continue is all the same Greek word in the Greek, one word. But notice how John was getting across to our minds that we're to abide in Christ, we're to remain in Christ, and we're to continue in Christ. How can you have assurance of your salvation? How do you know you're going to heaven? If you're not abiding in Christ and remaining in Christ and continuing in Christ, you have no assurance of your salvation, whether it be myself, you, or anyone. It's, it's one person said it's not how you start your Christian life, it's how you end. A lot of people start off real good, but they end up in the ditch because some people are professors and not possessors. They profess one thing and live another. Abide means to stay in place, figuratively to remain in a spear. It says pray in the spear. That means pray in the spear of the spirit. To stand against opposition, to hold out, to stand fast, to stay still, and to remain, to endure, to stay in force. We're to, these are the words to describe. We are to abide in the Lord. The, the exhortation is that the saints should remain in the teaching into which they were taught when they were saved to remain in that truth. When you first started into the house of God and the Lord brought you into the things of God, there are certain truths that you learn. You're to remain in those truths. You're to meditate upon those truths. You're to study those truths. That's why Dave was trying to get across. We need to study and to meditate upon the word of God. 
Peter says to grow in grace and knowledge of Christ. You cannot do that apart from one, having fellowship with the Lord, and two, by studying his word. They are to continue to hold fast. You know, Hebrew speaks about holding fast, sound words. They must not allow themselves to become entangled in the genocide heresy regarding the person of the Lord Jesus. And you know the apostles, when they began their ministry with the sonship of Jesus Christ, they preached Jesus was the son of the living God and greatly insisted on it and required a profession of, of it before baptism and which was made in order to it. And these believers had been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, referring to the Father being God, the Son being God, and Jesus being God. They all three are, are one, one God. It says in Acts 9.20, And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. This is one of the fundamentals of the faith. John is saying, let that truth remain in you. Hold on to that truth. Hold fast to that truth. Don't turn it loose. And you won't be entangled with this false doctrine, this false teaching of Gnosticism. You will be steadfast in the truth. Jesus is the Son of God. And then Acts 8, 37, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. He wanted to be baptized. And he asked him, Why couldn't he be baptized? And Peter says, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then Peter took him and baptized him, immersed him in water. And then you know the great commission the Lord gave in Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Beloved, these are the fundamental truths we're to remain in. We're to be grounded in these truths. Sometimes we think we want to get deeper and deeper. We need to keep reminding ourselves of the, of the simplicity of the gospel, the basic truths as we see as we get into the word of God. He certainly meant to say that by abiding in Christ, the child of God should constantly have Christ in his view. This should be your daily study to have Christ in your view. When you read the scriptures, what are you looking, who are you looking for? You should be looking for Christ. He says, Lo, in the volume of the book, it is written of me in the Psalms and in the law of Moses and in the prophets. It's all about Christ. His brother Dave could testify reading through Isaiah. Isaiah basically is it's all about Christ. There's so much in there. Isaiah 53 and 52 and all through there, pictures of Christ. Oh, it's beautiful. Amen. We're to be looking and viewing him, always living upon him. This should be our daily walk with God, to live upon Christ. He is supposed by this abiding to understand nothing but in Christ's strength, to undertake nothing but in Christ's strength. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who infuses strength into me. When you go to live the Christian life, when you exercise your faith, you know it's not by your power, but by his power. Remind yourselves, I can do all things through Christ who is infusing strength into me. As I abide in him, he gives me the strength I need daily in my walk with God. And aim at nothing but Christ's glory. 
Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. We should be doing everything for the glory of God. And where this abiding in Christ, there, there will be an increased desire after him and an increasing delight in him. And it says that when Christ shall appear, who is, who is thus our life and of his Redeemer, uh, it says shall appear, we shall appear with him. Christ is our life if we're going to see. He's everything to the believer. I preached on a sermon upon living upon the living Christ a few months ago. We should be daily living upon the living Christ. And I gave the example about his life, his life. We should be living upon his life. His obedience is our righteousness. His death. By death he conquered death, hell, and the grave. His resurrection, as we just ate, preached on last week. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's resurrected. And his ascension into glory. What a glorious thought that is. And then he's coming again. These are the truths that we should never lose sight of. This isn't something you hear today and forget about it. We should meditate upon these daily in our lives. What does his resurrection mean to me today? We sing that song, because he lives, I live also. That's true. We live upon the resurrected Christ's power working in us and operating in us. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The scriptures bring out. And how is that? How do you do that? And that by private, prayerful, daily study of God's word. And as we all three exhort you, never neglect the word of God. A day spent without the word of God is a wasted day. Set it in your mind and your purpose. By the grace of God, I'm going to take time every day to spend time in God's Word. I'm not saying you have to read one chapter, two chapters, three chapters. That's not the, that's not the important thing. The important thing is to meditate in God's Word daily. He will lead you by His Spirit what you need to read. Now, you can have your reading plan for the year. That's fine. But have a time that you can set aside besides your reading plan to meditate, to think upon certain verses maybe that you read in your, in your Bible reading. Don't neglect your private prayer and daily Bible study. And if you're not doing that, and I'm not doing that, we're just kidding ourselves. We're not abiding in Christ. You want to see more, we sing that song, More About Jesus, What I Know. Well, how are you going to know more about Jesus? In the word. Lo, in the volume of the book, Jesus says, it's written of me. We cannot emphasize enough to you, beloved children of God, to take time to read the word of God. And the gospel dwells in the church so the church dwells in the Son and in the Father. The Son is now named before the Father as indicating that He is the key to the relationship with God. You know, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. We're baptized, named the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the way to the Father is how? Through the Son. Through the Son.
We pray in whose name? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what do we all need daily? What do I need more of? Fellowship with God. How do we have fellowship with God? By abiding in Him, by reading His Word, and by prayerful meditation, and by confessing our sins to God. If you sin daily, confess your sins daily. Confess them to God. You can never be at peace in your own heart if you have sin in your life. It's impossible. Whether it be Brother Rhodes or any or Brother Roger or Brother Dave, the psalmist says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now that's a strong verse. It's strong for me. I have to remind myself of that. If I regard iniquity, if I look upon sin with pleasure, with delight, until I confess that, admit that I'm wrong, God says, I, he, psalmist says, the Lord will not hear my prayer. And that's serious. In other words, God's telling you and I, confess it and forsake it. And John started off his epistle with what? If we say we have no sin, he says we are a liar. And he said if we have sin, we're to confess it. If we confess it, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's music in a sinner's ear. God's love to you and I, he not only provided salvation to save us, but he provided, he, he provided blood to continually cleansing us from all sin until we reach glory. The blood, we're always under the blood. He says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Thank God, God the Father sees you and I under the blood, Brother Dave. Under the blood. And he says, son and daughter, come unto me, and I will give you rest. I will cleanse you from all sin. And that's how we come to that rest. Rest. Satan is always trying to trick us up, trap us. He's our adversary. He's cunning. He's very, he, he's had a few thousand years experience on us. Never underestimate your enemy. And Satan is in public enemy number one. And this is the promise That he had promised us eternal life. What a promise that is, Brother Dave. Eternal life. We live an average of, say, 60 to 100, maybe some 115. Very few get that old. Three score and 10 is what's lauded us, basically. Roger and I, we passed that three score and 10 a few years. But we have eternal life. The promise. And what a beautiful thought that is to know that we have eternal life. Jesus said this. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the promise of the Lord. Verse 36, he says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Believers, we have 
everlasting life. And that was promised by Christ. Notice John 5, 24, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Not going to have it, you have it now in your existence. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. In chapter 6, verse 40, Jesus says, And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I'm going to raise him up at the last day. Verse 47 of the same chapter, Christ said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth in me hath everlasting life. That's the promise. And one more in chapter 10, verse 28, he said, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And this is the promise, chapter 2, 25 of 1 John, that he had promised us even eternal life. You can see where Christ, as the Son of God, promised us eternal life. And he cannot lie. <coughs> the eternal promise. In Titus 1, 2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Now who did he promise it to? He promised it to his Son, our advocate, our mediator, the one who would die in our place. It says in Hebrews 13, 20, Now the God of peace through, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. In that covenant, God promised all those whom Christ died for, they would have and believed on him everlasting life, eternal life. Eternal life. What a blessing that is, beloved, to have eternal life. The tree in the garden, if you eat of that tree, you'd live forever. And God put the angels there with their swords drawn. They could not go back and eat of that tree. It was a picture of Jesus Christ who gives life to his people. Eternal life. Eternal life. It's hard to understand the word eternal. If we think about eternal, God is eternal. He has no beginning and no end. He always was and always will be. He never learns anything. He knows everything. He said he knew the end from the beginning. That's hard for our minds to wrap around that and comprehend that. Actually, we can't. I cannot comprehend someone who knows everything but never learns anything because he knows everything that ever will be or shall be. That's the infinite, infinite God we serve. God is everywhere present and nowhere absent. No matter where you go, God is there. In, the, in your secret chambers, God is there. Among the world, God is there. God is always with us. He's promised us in Hebrews that he would never leave us, never leave us, never leave us. Three negatives there. Never forsake us, never forsake us, never forsake us. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my what? Helper. Praise God. Yes. We're studying on Monday night, Bible study, Jude. And we was down to verse 24. 
and it's speaking about the trials and tribulations that we go through. And you know how sometimes you get knocked down to the point you're so low you can't look up? You're so low in your Christian life, you say, I just can't, I don't think I can go on. And sometimes in our Christian life, I think we all have been there. But I like the word Brother Dave says, but in that verse, God is able to keep you from falling. That sometimes has been, that is my strength when I get so low, I can't look up to remember that. Remember, Leroy, God is able to keep you from falling totally away. Now, we all can stumble. We can fall into sin. But God will not allow His children to totally fall away and be down forever. He will bring us out, bring us back, I do believe. God is able. Oh, let those words ring. If you get nothing out of the sermon today, remember those three words. God is able to keep me from falling away and losing my salvation. Praise God. What a blessing that is. As we think about this eternal life, 1 John, we'll be dealing with this when we get over to 1 John chapter 5, but we're going to be looking at these two verses. There's some beautiful thoughts in 1 John. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. It's on, it's on record. It's been written down. We have, God has given us eternal life. But the gift of God is the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, says the scriptures. And this life is in his son. Where's eternal life? In his son. And who are we abiding in? We're abiding in the son. We have eternal life because we're in the son and he's in us. And his life is given to us. It's a gift. So we have eternal life because of Christ. Because of Christ. He that hath the Son hath life. Oh, where do we get life from? Spiritual life from the Son. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. As I preach, there's unbelievers outside of Christ and there's believers are in Christ. Outside of Christ, you have no life. In Christ, you have life, spiritual life. What a blessing that is. Remember when God separates the sheep from the goats. The goats on the left, sheep on the right. And one of the characteristics of the sheep was what? Is you did it unto the least of my brethren, you did it unto me. Never take it for granted when you help a saint of God in their needs. When you try to comfort another brother or sister in the Lord. Remember, when you're doing it to them, you're doing it unto Christ. Sometimes we forget about that. It said, He that helpeth the poor, or lendeth the poor, lendeth to the Lord. A blessing it is to help the poor that are in need, especially the household of faith. He that hath the Son hath life. Oh, beloved, count it all joy that you have the Son. 
Count it joy that you can take the time to kneel down in prayer and have fellowship with the Lord in His Word. And as you meditate on the Word, He speaks to your heart. God speaks through His Word to our hearts. Arthur Pink said this, if you can read the Word of God and you never are convicted of sin, you're not really reading in the Spirit. If we'll read God's Word daily and faithfully, the Holy Spirit will sometimes prick our hearts because of sin. It could be small things, it could be big things, but God the Spirit will deal with us. That's why it's important. He says, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As we read the word of God, God sets us apart by convicting us and say, that's got to go. Confess it and forsake it. And then you'll have mercy. And then he says, follow me. Come unto me and abide in me. Oh, beloved, what beautiful illustration of our love to the Father. When Christ, it says in Colossians chapter 3, who is our life? He's everything to the believer, Brother Dave. Lift up holy hands unto the Lord, because He is our life. Shall appear, He's coming again in His second coming. Hallelujah. Paul said, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you looking for His coming? We should be looking and anticipating this could be the day that the Lord comes. This will be, could be the day. Shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Because he is what? Our life. When our life shall appear, we shall appear with him in glory. What a blessing. What a blessing that is to think about that, beloved. To appear with him in glory. That is such a blessing. And we know that the Son of God has come. We know that by the testimony of God's word in the Gospels. In the testimony of the apostles. In the testimony of 500 brethren at once that saw him when he, before he ascended up into heaven. And the testimony of the Holy Spirit recorded the word of God and calls us out of darkness into light and reveals his son unto us to believe on him. That's a supernatural work. Supernatural work to be a believer. God gave us a new heart. God gave us the ability to see the son of righteousness. God gave us the ability to see our filthiness and sins. God gave us the ability to repent and look to Christ for salvation. Hallelujah. And we know that the Son of God has come through the work of the Holy Spirit and has given us an understanding that we may know Him. Oh, beloved, why has God given you a new nature? Why has God given you a new heart? Why has God given you His Word? That you may know Him, Jesus. That's what it's all about. How much do you know about Jesus Christ? Is He your food? Is He your drink? Is He your thirst? Is He your desire? Is He he the love of your heart? Is He the Lord of your life? If you can't say yes to those things, oh, beloved, take inventory and say, Lord, what am I doing wrong? He's the Lord of our life. That you may know Him that is true and we are in Him. Oh, how important it is to be in Him, Jesus. That is true. 
even in his son, Jesus Christ. Notice what John says at the end of this. This is the true God and eternal life. Who? Jesus Christ is. He's the true God and eternal life. Jesus has called himself, I am the son of God. I am the son of God. He's the great I am. I am what I am. The self-existing one. Oh, beloved, do you know the Lord Jesus? Pray that you can know him more. Read the word of God to see more about Jesus Christ. Pray for Brother Dave, Brother Roger, and myself as we preach. We might preach unto you Jesus. Paul says, I'm determined not to know anything among you save what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. I want to lift up Christ. I want to lift up his crucifixion. I want to lift up his resurrection. I want to lift up his ascension. I want to lift up his glory. He is the savior of his people. He's the Lord of glory and he should be the Lord of our lives. I remember one of the words that Christ said, I think it was in the gospel of Luke. And I have to examine my heart when I read this. He says, why call me Lord, Lord? And do not the things which I say. Beloved, we have to ask ourselves that question. Yes, it costs to follow Christ. Yes, it costs when you come into Christ. Yes, it costs to abide in Christ. We have to deny ourselves. And he told us to do that. It's his disciples, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And it speaks in the book of Revelation, they read chapter 14, it says, and they love not their lives unto death. That's how much, that's what they had to deny. Deny themselves meant they denied themselves to the point that they would die for their Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. And I pray that if we ever call upon to do that, God give us the grace to do it. Now in closing, verse 26. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. The Antichrist, he speaks about in the in, in first epistle of John, the deceivers, the false teachers who were trying to seduce them from the true faith. Remember what we read in Jude 3, in verse, Jude 1, verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly. Earnestly which was once delivered unto the saints. And that's what John was saying. Abide in those truths that you learned in the beginning, that Jesus was the Son of God. Abide in that truth. And you won't be led astray from the, with the genosticism. Because you, you're abiding in the truth that was taught you, that Jesus is the Son of God. When you believed, who did you believe in? You believed in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Paul says in 1 Timothy 4.1, Note, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith. Know this, beloved, some in these days we can see it everywhere on the radio. I mean, on radio we can hear it, on the TV we can see it. They have departed from the faith once delivered unto the saints, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There's a lot of things being taught today is not from God. God says try the spirits and see if they be of God. How do we try the spirits? Try it with the Word of God, God's Word, the King James Version. Try the, try the spirits. Now I'm going to give you some examples 
from the word of God of some who departed from the faith. 2 Timothy 2.18 says, Who concerning the truth have erred, this was back in the apostles' time, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrew the faith of some. They were teaching that the resurrection was already past. There is no resurrection, teacher resurrection. And we have some today running around saying, there is no future resurrection. The second coming has already took place. They're deceivers. They're seducing spirits. They've been seduced by spirits and doctrines of devils. I believe these teachings come right straight out of hell. Another thing we see in Galatians 1.7, speaking about the gospel, which is not another, but there is some that trouble you and would, notice this, and would pervert the gospel of Christ. They would pervert it. How do they pervert it? They pervert it by saying the gospel doesn't lead to a holy life. You can live ungodly. You can live wicked. It doesn't matter. That's not the true gospel, the grace of God. Some want to add works to, to salvation. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself is the gift of God. Notice verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. Some people believe it's grace plus what I do gets me to heaven. In other words, if I have more good works than bad works, when I get to heaven, God's going to measure them. And if, I, if my good works outmeasure my bad works, I'm going to heaven. That's a false teaching. That's perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's many believe that today. That they're going to heaven by their good works. We're not against good works because we're to let our works so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. But good works is not a condition to go to heaven, but it's an evidence that we've been born again. The tree is known by the fruit. If we have no fruit, how do you know that you're a good tree? Also, we see in Romans 11, 5 through 6, where Paul emphasizes this. Even so, then at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it's no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. It's either one way or the other. You can't have it both ways. It's either all by grace or all by works. But God's people is going to be on the right they're going to say, by the grace of God, as Paul says, I am what I am. Hallelujah. Jesus said, follow me. Concerning Christ, he says, who are the fathers, Romans 9, 5, who, whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Who is Christ? He's God blessed forever. I read this verse earlier, 1 John 5, 20. And this we know that the Son of God has come, had given us an understanding that we may know Him, that is true, and we are in Him, that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Oh, He's eternal life. Now here's a few things in closing I want to show that they're denying. False teachers, antichrist. Deny the second coming of Christ and the resurrection. Deny the deity of the Son of God. They deny the trinity of three persons in the Godhead. Some deny that all things work together for good 
of those that love God, to them that love God. They deny that. Deny that you must live holy, must live holy in this present evil world. Some say that you can live any way you want, you're still a child of God. That's contrary to the word of God. Jesus said, he that followeth me shall not what? Walk in darkness. They deny the free grace of God. There's many today, today deny the free grace of God for salvation because they want to add works to that. There's many today that deny the scriptures are without error or given by the inspiration of God. So many people today say, oh, I just can't believe the Bible is written over 1,500 years, so many different people, so many ages. How could it be God's word? They don't believe God is able to inspire his word. They're denying the very word of God. And what does that teach us? It teaches us that they have not been born again. Beloved, these are the few things in John. I'm going to read these three verses and then we'll close. Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. That's the truth of God's word. If that which you heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he had given us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you, unto you concerning them that seduce you or are trying to seduce you. There's many false prophets going out into the world, beloved. And we have to be careful what we listen to. Take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. May we pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for thy word and testimony. We thank you for the epistle of John, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit inspiring uh, John to uh, uh, inspiring those words that John wrote down. And we thank you for uh, salvation in Christ. He is our life. He's our all in all. Everything we need is in Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us and dying and giving yourself ours. In the name of the uh, Son, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.